Blog Talk Radio. Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense. Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. Great to be with you this morning. God bless you. We've got a great broadcast lined up today with a big question for everybody. And I'd like to just kind of point out the question in just a little bit. We're getting kind of a uh, minor late start here today, but it's all working out good. God is good. Jesus Christ is Lord of heaven and earth. He sits at the right hand of God in the heavens. And for you and I who love him, and obey him. That's how you know you love him. He's making intercession for you right now. The Lord is your great high priest, according to the book of Hebrews, and he is making intercession for his people on this earth. And you be one of them, right? You are one of them. So the Lord is praying for you. Who would you like to have pray for you? The Lord does pretty good. So just remember right now that whatever your needs are, as you confess them to him, in, in other words, as you go to your high priest, you see, I was brought up in the Catholic Church, and what we used to do is we'd go into the confessional booths, right? I used to go to Catholic Church once a year to light a candle and just get out of the house. We weren't Advent at Catholics. We were just Roman Catholics, and that's about it. But when we did go to the confession booth, it was normally to tell the priest something, and we were little kids. My, you know, I beat up my sister. My sister beat me up, <laughs> one or the other. And so we would tell all these things, and then the priest would say, okay, go do a couple of Hail Marys and a few Our Fathers, and we would go ahead and do that. And But I want you to get the same visual in your prayer closet. You don't need to go to a confessional booth at the Catholic Church. You can go directly to the Lord Jesus, your high priest, and you could say to him, 
hello, Jesus, it's me. And, you know, I just want to say that, you know, I, I, I'm convicted in my conscience about this, the other thing. Forgive me for that. Wash me in that and help me to change that area of my life. But also we could go to our high priest and ask anything. And Jesus told us we could ask anything of the Father in his name. So we have direct access to the throne of heaven. That's amazing. And if you can imagine going directly to the Father and Yeshua is sitting right next to him and you're pleading for something or asking for something in Jesus' name, in Yeshua's name, well, the Father is going to answer your prayers. So ask him, ask him, ask him, ask him, ask anything in my name and I will do it. It's amazing promise. And so few actually apprehend it. And a lot of times people are going there asking for pink Cadillacs and, you know, this, that, and the other thing. But listen, it's, it's more of what am I doing on this earth right now? Why am I here? What's my purpose? What is the value of my existence? Jesus, you saved my life. You knocked on the door of my heart. I responded. I answered the door and here I am. And I've been journeying all these years. I've read my Bible. I've gone to church. I've done all these things which have been awesome. I've gone through some discipleship. I've been disciplined by, you know, in, in a very positive way. And I've learned a lot and, and, and I'm just here now. And I, I sense that I'm ready for the next move and I'm not really sure what it is. So I'm coming before you and asking you to reveal to me what is the next step in my life. If you would reveal that to me, Lord, if it's revealable and you would like to tell me, you know, a lot of times people go to the Lord and, uh, he won't show them their future because they probably back out and say, no, thanks. I don't want to see all that going on in my life. And yet it's better than anything they could have ever known in their life without God. That's true. And yet we go through some pretty heavy trials, don't we? And we, if we were to see it all, we would think, oh, man, I don't want to get caught in that stuff. We just want to see good things. That's how we're built. We just want to see the glory, the light. You know, sometimes you got to go through the storm to get there. So what we need is courage right now. We need courage to walk through the fire. We need courage to endure to the end. We need courage uh, to be as effective as we possibly can in this life until the light goes out and there's nobody could work anymore. And the passage of scripture I want to get into today to really jump into this, I want to ask you this question before we get into the scriptures. At what point, and I'm going to ask you this, okay, maybe you could formulate an answer and, and call it in or write it in the text. At what point will the elect of God know that it is time to come out of her, my people? Okay, so we're going to Revelation 18 today. But what time will the elect of God know that it is time to come out of her, my people? End time events are accelerating, and each individual must know and recognize the signs of the times and respond accordingly. Every one of us needs to look and, and evaluate and, and see what's around us and then respond accordingly to what we see, what we sense, what we discern, okay? And that's, that's important that we're not just led about by, you know, Joe shouting out, hey, you got to know what to do. You know, this is what you got. No, you and I need to know personally for ourselves the signs of the times. Now, can we point out through the Bible the things that we see? Absolutely. The prophets always did that. And we need to understand there is a prophetic Holy Spirit that wants to foretell events to come, many of them already written in the book. 
And so by preaching the word of God, we could actually show people, look, this is what Jesus said would be. Well, here are the signs, and they line up with the word of God. That helps people to come to their personal conclusion. Some people may say, well, I've seen these signs, but I'm really not convinced yet. I think there's some more that has to happen. So everybody has to evaluate for themselves. Okay, but that requires what? Studying, seeking, diligently pursuing the things of God. You will never come up with an accuracy of Bible prophecy if you're not really diligently seeking and studying. And remember what we're to be diligent to be found in? We are to be diligent to be found of him in peace, without spot, and blameless. In other words, study to show yourselves approved and prepared. So can you see the signs? That's another question I have for you today. Are you awake? That's another question I have for you today. Are you ready and prepared? Okay, and then this, I believe, was just possibly a download of the Holy Spirit. The next 60 days, that's 60 days, 6-0, the next 60 days may be the most important days of your life on earth. Pray. Wow. And I just felt like, okay, Lord, I'll put it out there. Let people be judicial in their thinking. Let them judge. You know, no hypersensationalism, no drama, just something that dropped into the spirit. Okay. And the Lord has dropped things into our hearts before, whether by dream or by revelation or by word. Okay. So this dropped in the next 60 days, very important days. Was it connected to Joe Biden's acceleration to get everybody vaccinated in America by the end of May? I don't know. I don't know if that's the connection or not. I just felt like God was saying the next 60 days in some people's lives are going to be the most important days of their lives. So what we do with the next 60 days is going to be rather important. And I would imagine that we should all be praying. What does this mean? Why are the next 60 days? Is there something that I need to prepare? Am I ready mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically? Have I prepared? Am I ready to endure? Now, let me just say something again, and I'm just throwing this out before we get into our Bible study. I personally do not believe, and I, and I have gone to prayer about this, and this is what I got, I do not believe that the vaccination is the mark of the beast. What I do believe is the coming vaccination is a further uh, experimentation that will lead people to taking the mark of the beast. There may be things in this vaccination that will actually conquer some thinking in the people that will subdue their ability to fight against. You know, there's all kinds of conversation out there about how uh, radio waves and different waves, energy waves, uh, have ability to get people excited and then subdue the people. Uh, there's, there's talk of that. I've heard it for years and years and years. And it is possible that this vaccination may have some stuff in it that may subdue an ability to resist. It wears down the resistance mentally, emotionally at levels we don't even understand. That is a possibility. But I do not believe it is the mark of the beast. I believe when the mark is revealed after all the war that is coming, because remember, that mark is not going to show up until the Great Tribulation. And before we get to the Great Tribulation, according to the book of Revelation, we've got to see the seven trumpets of God blow with all these celestial events. We need to see uh, an earth-shaking event in Revelation chapter 6, verses 12 to 17. Then we need to move into the Great World War III, 
where the Bible says that over one-third of the population of the earth will be taken out. And prior to that war, again, from Revelation 6, 12, all the way to Revelation 9, there are events that continue to remove people from the earth by the millions, even into the, the billion mark. So I don't believe that the vaccination lines up right now with the mark of the beast. I just don't believe that. I believe it is something that will assist in having people become so desperate they'll do anything to take the mark of the beast because they don't want to have to go through starvation, famine, drought, uh, you know, screaming children, uh, not living in a home, not being able to drive a car, no driver's license, no passport, no house to live in because you're going to have to pay your bills, uh, no insurance, you know, job to go to. And a lot of people don't want to live in that kind of an environment. And I understand that. Praise God, we do. But we always have to remember and balance that when God took his people out of Egypt, he led them into the wilderness and he provided for them fire by night, cloud by day. He gave them bread from heaven, food, water from a rock. I mean, the Lord God, his presence was with his people in the wilderness. Their shoes didn't wear out in 40 years. So we have to also believe that God has prepared a wilderness for his people. In fact, Revelation chapter 12 tells us that God has a prepared place where he's going to nourish the woman for a time and times and half a time, equaling in, as we know now, three and a half years. So during the Great Tribulation, there's going to be a people in the wilderness. Many, the majority of believers, are going into the Great Tribulation to get the spots and wrinkles and blemishes ironed out of them. They're going to wash their robes in the blood of the Lamb as they come out of the Great Tribulation. That's definitely clear in Revelation 7. Where are you going to be standing? Are you one of the 144,000 sealed with the Father's seal in your forehead? Are you standing on Mount Zion with the King of Glory, Jesus Christ? Or are you one of the mega multitudes, the majority that no man could number, going into the Great Tribulation and then getting cleaned up through it? Or are you in the wilderness with this woman? Who is this woman? Is it Israel? Is it the church? Jerusalem above, the mother of us all? We need to study these things out and understand what saith the Lord? So we have a lot to talk about, but the big question is, what point will the elect of God know that it is time to come out of her, my people? So with that said, and if you get some answers, you could write them in the chat room. We'll go over it a little bit later, or you could call it in and we could talk about it. But let's go to Revelation chapter 18 and look at this scripture verse here. And I'll put it up on the screen Revelation 18, then I have an eight-minute video I want to sh uh, share with you that is going to boggle your mind as to what is happening. I've shared this video before maybe a year ago, and I want to share it again. It came out fresh from my friend, uh, Pastor Mike Bradford up in Missouri. He put it on Messenger, and I looked at it again this morning, eight minutes. It'll boggle your mind, okay? And I want you to hear this. Now, in the book of Revelation, chapter 18, I want to go through it. So if you have your Bible with you, let's get into a Bible study with that one thought in mind. When will God's people know it is time to go? Chapter 18, verse 1. After these things, I saw another angel. Wait, can we stop for a moment? I don't want to rush. After these things, you know how huge of a statement that is? That literally means that there was something just prior to this, right? So something was just shown in Revelation 17. Something was shown in Revelation 16. 
Something was shown in Revelation 15 and 14. Here's my belief. Let's search it out. People talk about a seven-year tribulation period, right? And yet we know in Revelation chapter 13, the New Testament idea about this tribulation period, we know in the New Testament that the greatest tribulation to ever hit the face of the earth that has never been before will never be again, that the first three and a half years of that great tribulation will be against the saints of God. It'll be a persecution against the ecclesia. The dragon will rage. It's going to be an intense time of supreme havoc. There's no doubt that every you could combine every uh, epoch of time, every dispensation when persecution up to this very moment has ever taken place, put it all together, and what's going to happen during these three and a half years of the greatest tribulation against the ecclesia of God, the people of God, uh, is going to be beyond all of it combined together in the past. I really believe that is the intention of the three and a half year beast empire warfare of overcoming the saints, rending them useless to have any impact in the earth. That's Revelation 13. However, is it possible, and I believe it is, that immediately after the tribulation, the Lord will return and he'll stay in the sky, in the clouds, the trumpet will sound, he'll send his angels to reap his harvest of the righteous people of God. The dead in Christ will rise, so there will be a resurrection immediately after the uh, tribulation, the resurrection of the dead, that was spoken of in 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 Corinthians 15, etc., etc. Then those alive and remaining at that time will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So we're all going to be with the Lord, then we go away. Then what we're told in Revelation, because Revelation 13 is the great tribulation chapter, Immediately after this, it says in Revelation 14, there are two harvests. Okay, so immediately after the tribulation, there are two harvests that are mentioned in Revelation 14. The first harvest is immediately after the tribulation. It is the resurrection of the righteous dead. It is those alive and remaining who are righteous. They're going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Okay, that's the first harvest. The second harvest is now the, the rest of the earth, the nations of the earth at that time are going to be cast into the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. That's in chapter 14. Chapter 15 is just a mini pause of the overcomers who, are, uh, who got the, their victory over the mark of the beast, the number of his name. Chapter 15 of Revelation is just a pure pause of beautiful overcoming language. And then Revelation chapter 16 are the seven vials of the wrath of God that are going to be poured out on the earth. This is what I believe the last three and a half years of the seven-year tribulation period will be. And it will not be a tribulation the last three and a half years against the ecclesia because they had already gone through it, and they have already been resurrected, and they have been translated. Some people call it raptured immediately after the tribulation, the first three and a half years. Now comes the outpouring of the wrath of God in chapter 16, the seven vials of God's wrath that now is destroying the Babylonian uh, harlot system. Now comes the judgment upon the beast where the beast is gnawing its, its tongue. Now it comes to Revelation 18, the collapse of the city of Babylon, the entire global worldwide system of Babylon is now in view, which we're going to get to, Revelation 18. Then 
Revelation 19, Yeshua returns and he binds and casts the false prophet and the beast into the lake of fire. And, and, you know, this is his coming to set up his millennial kingdom on the earth. I can't wait to go through this, okay, because I'm seeing this. But during the wrath of God, Revelation uh, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, the ecclesia is not here. And yet somebody's here because look how Revelation 18 begins. And after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power. And the earth was lighted with his glory. And he cried mightily. You know what I'm so tempted to do? But I can't. I'd love to just start in Revelation 13 and then just show you the unfolding of Revelation 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, and 19, and just bring this beautiful picture, not a 10,000-piece puzzle uh, that's all complex and you got to fit pieces together, just a beautiful unfolding of one event after the other, one event after the other, an unfolding prophetic theme that just lays forth such beautiful simplicity and understanding. But nonetheless, Let's go back to Revelation 18. After these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lighted with his glory. So there's a a mighty angel, okay? The earth is lighted with his glory. And that word lighted, let me just bring it up here, okay? The word lighted, let me reload this, see what the problem is. And they don't want me to have the blue letter. I don't get that. Why is that happening? So let's go back here. All right, so the earth is lighted with his glory. He cried mightily with a strong voice. So this messenger angel that is coming down from heaven, having great power, authority, privilege, he cried mightily with a strong voice saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, that's a verily, verily, and is become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. That's what Babylon becomes. Now, I believe that this Babylon being spoken of will be the global one world government, the system, Babylon. This is, this is the city, the government, the system of Babylon. Now, in Revelation 17, you see a woman riding the beast, okay? That's another story. Here, she has become a habitation of devils, the hold of every foul spirit, Boy, are you seeing that, huh? And a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. There's some language there we need to become accustomed to. Verse 3, for all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her And the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. So by the time this judgment is coming upon Babylon, she is expanded as a global worldwide power that everybody is connected to. Okay? 
and she's in power during the Great Tribulation. She, she, this one world idea that began in Genesis chapter 10 and 11 with the building of the tower that we now know was Babel, the Tower of Babel, under the construction leadership of Nimrod, the son of rebellion, where they built a tower so that they might bore into heaven and dethrone God to make war with God and dethrone God. That was what the Hebrew actually says. So the Tower of Babel, God saw what they were doing. He went down, he confused their language, and the building stopped. However, that one world empire, that one world government in the mind of man never ceased because it's a satanic desire for Lucifer to rule the world, for the devil to rule the world, Satan to rule the world, right? We know that. So we come, we come out of the collapse of the, uh, the Nimrod-Babylon connection, but you do see Egypt rise to a global power. Then you do see Assyria rise to a global power in their time. Then you do see the actual city of Babylon in Iraq rise to power in its time. Then you do see the Medo-Persian Empire rise to power as a global empire. You do see Greece become the ruler of the world. You do see Rome become the ruler of the world. So these, these ancient empires of the earth are all kind of a... Uh, uh, an attempt to bring that global one world mind, that government to control the world. There's always been interference. But what we know about the end time Babylon, there will be no interference. The saints will be overcome. They will have no influence. There'll be three and a half years granted to this global one world government system, Babylon. All right. So we do know that it will be formed. We also know that the headquarters of the United Nations which is connected to Babylon because that's what unite the nations. We know that they're headquartered down in New York City. And we know that the system of Babylon through artificial intelligence and technology today is everywhere. I mean, everywhere, through every camera, through every microphone, through every device, through all the media, through all the digital reality technology. I mean, it is all interconnected, and that's what Babylon is. It is an interconnected network that controls the whole world, but there are too many people. So there's got to be a population reduction, which the Bible talks about. All these things have to come. But by the time we get to Revelation 18, we need to understand that this Babylon in the last days has ascended to its heights of its, its wildest dreams of success. And it made war with the saints. The beast was included. The harlot that rides the beast was included. The false prophet, the dragon, all of it is included. But now God is saying something here in verse 4, Revelation 18, 4. I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins, and that you receive not of her plagues. For her sins have reached unto heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Reward her even as she rewarded you, and double unto her double according to her works. In the cup which she has filled, fill to her double how much she has glorified herself and lived deliciously, so much torment and sorrow give her. For she saith in her heart, 
I sit a queen and am no widow and shall see no sorrow. Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judges her. All right, so what is this? Judgment will come upon Babylon. But yet there are people that are living in Babylon. So we have to connect the dots here, don't we? What are God's people doing in Babylon right before God is ready to judge Babylon? Okay, what's what's going on here? Well, remember the call to come out of her, my people. When do the elect of God know it is time to come out of her, my people? When do we know it's time? Were God's people living in Babylon prior to her destruction? The answer is yes. That's obvious what we just read. Is the Babylonian system growing up around the nations of the earth in these last 20, 30 years? Well, if you study it out, you'd probably come to a conclusive understanding. Yes, there is a developing system of artificial technology and, and, and full-blown accelerated technology in our world today. People are interconnected everywhere electronically. We do our, our, our deals. We pay our bills online. We do our banking online. Nothing is sacred. Nothing is hidden. Everything is, uh, is wide open. There's a global brain. There's a global observation. There's a global knowing. There are algorithms detected. There's all kinds of this kind of reality that's already taking place. We just haven't seen yet the clamps put on it. They've still given people a, a semblance of liberty and freedom. Oh, if I want to travel to Europe, I could get on a plane and I could go to Europe. If I want to go to Zimbabwe, I can go to Zimbabwe. If I want to go to South America, I can go. Well, that was a little bit restricted by the coronavirus reality. And you may not be able to travel without a certificate of uh, coronavirus uh, vaccination. That may become a reality. You know, again, the four winds of the, the event that's coming, the mark of the beast which is connected to Babylon. It's all interconnected. These are not separate you know, identities. They all interconnect. The false prophet, the beast, the dragon, mystery Babylon, the mother of abominations and harlotry of the earth. It's all interconnected. So are we witnessing this growing reality? Well, yes. Is there resistance to a degree? Are they going to wear down the resistance? Yes, they're going to wear out the saints. This is the work of the enemy to wear out the saints, that they become ineffective. The enemy will overcome the saints. In other words, meaning they will have no influence in the world, no voice, no real voice. There'll be a false spirit of a perverted gospel. There's no doubt about that. But there will be no true influence in the world in which we live. That's what the Bible actually says. But the question is, when does this happen? When do we know to come out of her? so that we're not a partaker of her plagues. Well, if the tribulation is when the height or the height of Babylon is at its zenith of power, and we have to go through the tribulation period, and we're going to undergo three and a half years of endurance 
to get through this without taking the mark of the beast and show up in Revelation 15 as one of those overcomers who did not take the mark, all right? If this is the great tribulation period and we have to go through it, and then the Lord returns immediately after, and there's a resurrection, and then those alive and remaining who who endure to the end are caught up to meet the Lord. Well, we know we're out of the earth. But is there a call to God's people to come out of her prior to the great tribulation? Well, that's where we need to understand, where did this call for? I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people. When did they hear that voice? When did they hear that voice? Because my people will have been resurrected. My people will have been translated into heaven in the twinkling of an eye after the tribulation, okay, the persecution of Babylon. So is it possible that the call to come out of her, my people, is a call to God's people right now not to be caught in the snare. Jesus said in Luke 21, as a snare shall it come upon the whole earth and they shall not escape. So people will get caught in the trap of Babylon and they will, they will, that snare, that trap, that's going to be a tough time. But are there people that will actually hear the voice of God telling them to come out of her before the snare comes, before they're trapped? Is there a place that God will have his people? Well, in Revelation 12, there is a wilderness for God's people before the tribulation hits. The question is, are you and I hearing God's voice saying, come out of her, my people, lest you became partakers of her sins and and be visited with her plagues and you're going to be caught in it? Okay, so I'm just asking a question. All right, just asking a question. Now, in Verse 9, and if God were saying to us right now, I mean, if we've seen the signs, right, we're looking at the signs, the signs, they're, they're swirling all around us. They have been for years now, okay? The signs of the times that Yeshua referred to, that the prophets spoke of, that the apostles spoke of, the signs are everywhere. They've been here. We've seen a woman in travail. We've seen birth pangs. Now is, we're beginning to witness an acceleration and before you know it, that acceleration brings us to these places of, you know, control. And, I mean, something's really being birthed here. Something's really being birthed. And is it about to be birthed right before our very eyes? Is this birthing going to happen in the next 60 days? Is there going to be an acceleration of events that are going to just sweep the nations of the earth suddenly? I mean, and then you can't get out. That's a bad deal. So is God, would God, does the Bible teach that God's people should hear a voice? My sheep know my voice. Will they hear a voice saying, come out of her, my people? If God's people heard that voice, would they believe it? Or are God's people too comfortable in Babylon that presently exists and is growing exponentially globally, just like natural growth of this monster, 
Are God's people too comfortable? Would it be an inconvenience if, and here's a, just a, a what if, what if, and Paul the apostle used what ifs, what if God, so let me, let me just say, what if God would say, get out now, because in 12 days, or in 26 days, or in 60 days, a snare is coming. What if God said today, get out? What would you do? What would you do? I, it's just a scenario. I'm just asking. What would that mean to you? Come out of her, my people. Did God tell the Jewish people before the Nazis came to power to get out of Germany? Well, the history we have is absolutely yes. There were people telling the Jews in Nazi Germany, get out. Those that took heed, they inconvenienced themselves. They sold everything they had. They converted their money into diamonds. They sewed their diamonds in their clothes. They got on ships and planes, and they left Germany. They believed. They heard the voice, get out. We also know through history that the remaining ones waited and waited and things started getting more intense and more intense. And at the last minute, they got out barely with the clothes on their back. And then we know that the remaining Jews in Nazi Germany were caught in the snare and were led to the concentration camps and were killed. That is within a hundred years of a historical reality of what happened to the Jewish people. To the Jew first, then the Gentile is a biblical pattern as well. Is there some kind of call to come out? And people would say, well, where do I go? Well, isn't that a really good question? Have you studied? Have you prayed? Have you sought the Lord for you and your family and your loved ones? Lord, if I ever heard you to say, come out, number one, am I too deeply connected with the Babylonian system, am I too comfortable? Am I too successful? Am I too prosperous that I wouldn't leave even if I heard the voice that somehow I would have a reasoning mechanism come within me and say, nah, that can't be true. I've heard that before. You know, I'm, this is a what if scenario. What if God began to speak and the sound went forth, like in Nazi Germany. You can go to the Ukrainian Revolution. Do you recall? Do you have, know any history of the Ukrainian Revolution in the early 1900s, where the Ukrainians again were told, flee because the communist revolution is coming, and they are going to kill you. And the same thing happened with the Ukrainians. The first people that heard, they took heed, they fled and the, we were told in the history of the Ukrainians that those people lived outside the wilderness that they buried, they dug into the side of hills, and they lived in caves, literally. But they were outside, but they were getting reports from others that their, their loved ones that stayed behind were being slaughtered by the communists. The mothers were eating their babies. I mean, that what was going on in those who got caught was unthinkable. You should do a study and there's one particular 
a bit of information on the Ukrainian Revolution that tells the detail. It was a literal book that was written by a survivor. It was intense history that detailed what was going on. Are we living in another time like that? Is it possible? And if God said right now, today, come out of her, my people, what would that mean to you? How would you know? What would you do? I mean, he's saying, come out of her, my people. My people know my voice. And if God said, come out of her, what does that look like? To me, this would be the call of Babylon's zenith of power, and it was the call to come out of her before. Okay, But there's also a destruction involved here. Because God's ready to judge Babylon. So trying to put the pieces together, what are God's people doing in Babylon after the tribulation? If we want to take that angle, what does that look like? What does that mean? How are God's people still living in Babylon after, immediately after the tribulation, the dead in Christ will rise, the live ones are taken away? Well, who are these people then? that are still here after what they call the rapture, the, the, um, you know, the post-trib rapture, the pre-wrath is what it's called, the pre-wrath rapture. What are God's people still doing here? Who are they? Well, are they the uh, people that got born again uh, after the translation, after the great tribulation against the church? Were there people that heard the message? Okay. And then the resurrection happened. And, the, and, and the, the live and remaining ones are caught up to meet the alert. And these people saw that, but they never really took heed. And now they're here for the time of the wrath of God coming upon the earth. And they are now realizing what they heard was true. So they're the surviving ones, the remaining ones, now going into the wrath of God time. And everybody else is gone. Okay? Either case, when does God tell his people to come out? Does God tell his people today, presently, to go in to the great tribulation, to go into Babylon, to partake of Babylon? Is that the message of God that we human beings on this earth that are the church, the ecclesia, is God telling us to go into Babylon and live there and do business? Or has he warned us of the great tribulation that's coming and told us to prepare, and that there's a wilderness for God's people. My point, either way, God, if God is speaking to us right now, who are witnessing the signs of the times, what if God said today, come out of her, my people? Exit Babylon. Remove yourself. Enter into your ark. Isaiah 26, 20, Patricia's favorite verse. Enter into your chambers and shut the door until the indignation be overpassed because God's coming out to punish the world. Where does it fit? At what point do we know? Now, should we be just kind of absent-minded or forgetful hearers or... Burying our heads in the sand, I don't want to hear, gloom and doom. You know, is there, are, are our defenses up against Bible prophecy about some point God telling us, don't get caught in the snare? 
Again, Jesus himself taught this in Luke 21. Like, as a sneer shall it come upon the whole earth, and they will not escape. I guess we should have gotten out before the snare came, right? Is there a snare forming around the world? And yet the world is interconnected. So the only place to be is the place that God has provided. Let's go a little further in Revelation 18, verse 9. The kings of the earth who have committed fornication and lived deliciously with her shall bewail her and lament for her when they shall see the smoke of her burning. You know, a lot of people have applied this destruction of Babylon, and I, and I understand why, to America. And we do have to understand something. Okay, let me just give you this tidbit of information. Write this down if you can. Here's, here's a reality. In, in, you go all the way back to Genesis, and you see Babylon come, become a reality. But in Jeremiah 50 and 51, in Isaiah chapter 2, Isaiah chapter 13, Isaiah chapter 24, you could read the ancient prophets. They prophesied of the destruction of Babylon, especially Jeremiah 50, 51, and part of 52. They, dis- they describe the destruction of Babylon, Jeremiah. And then Babylon is destroyed by the Medes and Persians. But then Babylon shows up again in the book of Revelation. In other words, the message is to any kingdom that resembles Babylon. It is as, as a similar description to Babylon. And when you read Jeremiah 50 and 51, you realize that the United States of America fits the description of Babylon perfectly. Read it someday. Jeremiah 15, 51. Was Jeremiah prophetically preaching to his generation and a future generation? Is the generation that we are living in right now, has America become a habitation of devils and a hold of every foul spirit? Has America become what we're about to read? Why is this important? Well, because Rome also 2,000 years ago, was called Babylon. So in other words, the spirit of Babylon manifests within nations at different times in different locations, just like Sodom and Gomorrah. Israel was called Sodom and Egypt in Isaiah chapter 1 and in Revelation chapter 11. It's called Egypt and Sodom. So in other words, nations take on the spirit of ancient empires and become like them. And then we're told for anybody that acts like Sodom and Gomorrah will receive the same judgment. Has America become like Sodom and Gomorrah? Absolutely. Has America become like Egypt and Babylon? Absolutely. Our commerce everything that Jeremiah 50:51 and what I'm about to read in Revelation 18 is a perfect description of America today. There's no doubt about that. What we have become, it's not what we began as, <clears throat> it's what we have become. So we continue on. We just read in verse 9, the kings of the earth who have committed fornication and lived deliciously with her shall bewail her and lament for her when they shall see the smoke of her burning. On 9-11, the nations of the earth wept, they had vigils, 
They sent gifts. They, they were weeping and crying when they saw the Twin Towers in New York City go up in flames. Was that a mini picture of the headquarters of Babylon today, the United Nations? Well, let's take a look. Revelation 18 says they were standing afar off for the fear of her torment, saying, alas, alas, that great city, Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour is thy judgment come. Now, I don't believe 9-11 was this description. I believe that America as a whole fits the description of Babylon in its ancient description, and today America fulfills it perfectly. It's what we became, not what we began as. Israel didn't begin as Sodom and Egypt. It became. America didn't begin this way. We were a Christian nation. We became first to the Jew, then to the Gentile nations, right? So here's America. It says this in verse 11. And the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her, for no man buys their merchandise anymore. Now, think about what is known about America. We are the most indebted nation on the face of the earth. Our debt is beyond anything. And what is that? It is a consumer debt, credit card debt, because the inhabitants of America are the ones that are buying all the goods from around the world. We weren't really exporting very much. We were an import nation in all of our harbors and all of the shipping lanes that came and all the merchandise from all the merchants of the earth were sending their merchandise to America. And they took that merchandise, they put it in the stores, and we, the greatest consumer nation on the face of the earth, bought everything up, even putting ourselves in debt to have what they were selling. So now it says that the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her. Why? Oh, we loved her so much. No, for no man buys their merchandise anymore. So the time is going to come upon Babylon, America, that people aren't going to be able to buy anymore. Why? Because of the destruction that will come upon her. Verse 12 says, The merchandise of gold and silver and precious stones and of pearls and fine linen and purple and silk and scarlet and all thyine wood and all manner vessels of ivory and all manner vessels of most precious wood and of brass and iron and marble and cinnamon and odors and ointments and frankincense and wine and oil and fine flour and wheat and beasts and sheep and horses and chariots and slaves and souls of men. Boy, we even have the sex trafficking in this one, don't we? And then... 14, and the fruits that thy soul lusted after, okay, all this merchandise, all this, that the American population, the Babylonian citizens of America have desired of all the merchants and their merchandise, and the fruits that thy soul lusted after are departed from thee, and all things which were dainty and goodly are departed from thee, and thou shalt find them no more at all. Something happens to Babylon, okay? The merchants of the earth are standing afar off. They can't even come into, the, into, the, into the, the nation any longer. Something happens to Babylon where people won't go in. They probably won't go out. And God says some pretty strong language. And let's take a look at it. 
In verse 15, the merchants of these things, the merchants now, which were made rich by her, so the American consumer made the other nations rich by buying all their stuff, they shall stand off, these merchants, for the fear of her torment, weeping and wailing. They can't believe that Babylon, America, will be destroyed. Okay? Or whoever this end-time nation is that's making all the merchants of the earth rich. What we do know, factually, is that he's the American consumer. You're not running off trying to buy everything from Saudi Arabia, are you? No. Verse 16. And they're saying, alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. For in one hour, so great riches is come to nothing. And every shipmaster and all the company and ships and sailors and as many as a trade by sea stood afar off. In other words, no more import. No more ships coming into our harbors. No more ships. And what's the number one harbor in the U.S.? You got it. New York, Los Angeles, Long Beach, California. I mean, we have got harbors all over this nation. Because we sit on many waters. Okay? Now, but notice in one hour, how does a nation that has been making all the other nations, the end time final Babylon, how does she make all the nations rich, and all of a sudden, every bit of wealth is gone in one hour. How does that happen? Well, let's go on. In verse 18, they cried when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, what city is like unto this great city, Babylon? They cast dust on their heads. They cried, weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, that great city wherein were made rich, all that had ships in the sea by reason of her costliness, for in one hour is she made desolate. Now, you know and I know that there have been prophecies over the United States from David Wilkerson, Dimitri Dudeman, and so many others, even into our moment, of a, what do they call it? a desolation of the United States through nuclear weapons. Okay? Something is going to happen to Babylon, whether it's by asteroids, whether it's by comets, whether it's by nuclear bombs, whatever the case is, whoever this Babylon in the last days is, and who is the number one superpower nation on the face of the earth today? America. Have we sinned against the Lord and become foul? Men marry men. We slaughter innocent blood through abortion. Women marry women. Pedophilia runs rampant within our society. Pornography runs rampant within our society. Corruption runs rampant in our society. Transgenderism runs corrupt. I mean, have we not become? And the people that are more moral are living in the midst of this going, well, well, at least we still have our house and our kids and it will get better. Your best hope is it's going to get better. But that's not what the Bible says. Okay? So who else is like us? Well, you could say Europe is kind of filthy. 
And indeed they are. You can go to other nations that are kind of filthy, but who's the number one superpower with the greatest military on the face of the earth? Well, is it China? Is it Russia? Is it the United States? Well, the U.S. has been the number one superpower nation in the world. Now, she's made desolate. Now, it says in verse 20, this is very interesting, Rejoice over her, thou heaven, and you holy apostles and prophets, for God hath avenged you on her. Mm. So there's a rejoicing in the destruction of Babylon. Why? Because we know Mystery Babylon in Revelation 17, she's drunk with what? She's drunk with the wine of her fornication. She's drunk with the blood of the prophets. She's drunk with the blood of the saints. Mystery Babylon got drunk on the blood of martyrdom, persecution, affliction, anguish, torment against the elect of God. That's biblical. Now, verse 21 says, And a mighty angel took up a stone, wow, like a great millstone, the millstone prophecy. Boy, do I remember that. And he cast it into the sea. That sounds like a comet, like a big rock, right? He cast it into the sea of humanity, saying, Thus with violence shall that great city Babylon be thrown down and shall be found no more at all. Do you remember just, you know, in the last couple of months when the whole Antifa BLM was going on and one of the outspoken advocates or leaders of Antifa or BLM was saying, if we don't get what we want, we're going to burn this blank down. We're going to burn it down. We're going to, we're going to destroy it. The overtones of the voice of prophecy was heard in our land. Was Donald Trump's leaving the office because of the threat faced against America? Only God knows. And if they capitulated to that threat, that's worse than than it would have been to stand, I think. But anyways, what happens, that great city Babylon will be thrown down, shall be found no more at all. And the voice of harpers and musicians and of pipers and trumpeters shall be heard no more at all in thee. And no craftsman of whatsoever craft he be shall be found any more in thee. And the sound of a millstone shall be heard no more at all in thee. The sound of a millstone is labor, work. What is going to happen to Babylon? Do you know in the succession of nations from Babylon being taken over by the Medo-Persians and then the Medo-Persians being taken over by Greece, that when the Medes and the Persians took over Babylon, the people, the citizens hardly even knew it happened. It wasn't with violence. It was through policy. They just got rid of the former powers and put their powers in place and everything continued to run. But this description is a total annihilation of Babylon in the last days. Is America Babylon, like Rome was Babylon, like ancient Babylon was Babylon, or Assyria was Babylon, or any one of the other great empires had the same Babylonian system mindset, if you will. 
Is America about to undergo this kind of a trial? Even if it weren't the final one, maybe something like Rome went through. What if God is saying to his people, who are obviously living in a system that is resemblant of Babylon, come out of her, my people? Well, he goes on to say in verse 23, the light of a candle shall shine no more at all in thee. The voice of the bridegroom and of the bride shall be heard no more at all in thee. For thy merchants were the great men of the earth, for by thy sorceries were all nations deceived. And as our sister brought up last night in Bible study, pharmakia, vaccination, COVID-19, by their sorceries, by their pharmakia, were all nations deceived. That's going on globally right now. And what if America is not just an isolated Babylon, but has her tentacles all over the world in the interconnectedness of the United Nations? Verse 24, and in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints and of all that were slain upon the earth. What is the Apostle John writing about? What is this? My question to all of us, when would God tell us to leave? It's not a, it's not a first timer. I mean, he told the, the Jews to get out of Germany. He told the Ukrainians to get out and the Bolsheviks and go on down the list. Will there be a time where God tells you to come out of her, my people? Tells me. What does that mean? What kind of a hardship is that? Where do I go? What do I do? How do I eat? Well, if Babylon is coming to her zenith of power in these last days, and she has a system where you can't buy or sell without the mark of the beast— how do we survive? Are we even to think about it? Or should we just say, you know what? I've heard that preach for so long. I don't want you people are crazy. I don't want anything to do with that kind of thing. I want you to tell me smooth things. I want you to tickle my ears. I want you to tell me pleasant things. I want you to tell me something different than this. And if you don't, I will go to a church where they will tell me. I don't have to worry about this because I'm going to be part of the pre-tribulational rapture. I'm going to live my best life now. I'm going to continue to live. I, don't, I, I can't lose my salvation. So if I take a vaccination or some mark of the beast, I can't lose my salvation because once saved, always saved. So, and I can't be demon-possessed or, or lied to by a demon because Jesus lives in me. And so I don't have to worry about any of this stuff because I'm out of here in the pre-trib rapture. Once saved, always saved. And Christians can't have demons. Hallelujah. That means my thinking mechanism is intact. And I pick and choose what scriptures I want. And I, I align myself with people that will tell me what I want to hear. I'll just go find myself a church that will do that. I'll go find a podcast that will do that. I want to go and find out where I could be more encouraged, where I could be more inspired. You know, I don't need to be hearing that God may speak to me tomorrow and I have to leave everything I worked so hard to achieve in my life. 
Why not? It's happened before. The Bible says it's going to happen again. America is in turmoil. As a matter of fact, let me play a video for you right now. I'd love to do this. This is a video that I think is the most mind-boggling reality. I mean, this is mind-boggling. And I want you to hear this because it's an ancient video. As I said, I played it a long time ago. And I'll put it on the screen. Let me, let me just get this screen share going here. And then we'll chat a little bit, okay? So let's go here and let me put on the... I'm pretty sure that's going to be it. All right, so here it is. This is by G. Edward Griffin. Listen from the moment I play the, pr- uh, the play button, press the play button. Listen. It's only eight minutes. Listen carefully to what is being said. And I want to put my little guys on too. And here it goes. As early as 1928, the communists declared that the racial differences among our people constituted the weakest and most vulnerable point in our social fabric. By constantly probing and straining at this one spot, they calculated that eventually the cloth could be torn apart and that Americans could be divided, weakened, and perhaps even set against each other in open combat. We mustn't kid ourselves into thinking that the communists have placed their agitators only into the black communities. They're working both sides of the street. They want hatred, violence, and bloodshed between the races, and they don't care how they get it or whom they use, even children if necessary. Here is a book that I think ought to be in every home library. It's entitled Color, Communism, and Common Sense by Manning Johnson. He joined the party as a young man because he honestly believed that the communists were trying to improve the conditions of his people. He was a dedicated communist, and eventually he rose to one of the highest ranks. But after many years, he discovered that instead they were merely planning to use his people in a bloody revolution to destroy America. And when he woke up to this, he dropped out of the party and devoted the rest of his life trying to alert his fellow citizens of all races to the true nature of the Communist Party as he knew it to be from the inside. Manning Johnson said, Black rebellion was what Moscow wanted. Bloody racial conflict would split America. During the confusion, demoralization and panic would set in. Then finally the Reds say, Workers stop work. Many of them seize arms by attacking arsenals. Street fights become frequent. Under the leadership of the Communist Party, the workers organize revolutionary committees to be in command of the uprising. Armed workers seize the principal government offices, invade the residences of the president and his cabinet members, arrest them, declare the old regime abolished, establish their own power. Now, here is a piece of vicious communist propaganda that perhaps some of you have seen. It's called The Crusader. It's written by Robert F. Williams, one of the organizers of the Revolutionary Action Movement. In this issue of the Crusader, the communists call not only for extensive chaos within the cities, but for putting to the torch every village, every forest, every field, and every barn. The plan is for raging fires from one city to the next. The reason? Well, first, there's the value of sheer destruction. Secondly, it would force us to deploy our defenses and rescue units over the widest possible area. The communists point out that as long as our police and National Guard remain concentrated, they're invincible. But if they can be forced to spread out 
over the entire city and into the countryside as well. Then they can be picked off from ambush one by one. And the third value of massive fire to the communists is psychological. The average American, they say, soft and decadent, when he sees billows of black smoke rising from one horizon to the other, when at night the only light he has to see by is the flickering red from flames leaping into the sky, he'll become paralyzed with fear and panic. He'll run away and hide and do nothing to interfere with the guerrilla bands as they strike at the community's power centers. The Crusader explains how to set up sniper units in crowded metropolitan areas, how to manufacture jumbo Molotov cocktails, the gallon jug size, and how to mix the gasoline with certain ingredients to make it burn like napalm. How to pour gasoline into utility manholes in the streets to set fire to the main telephone cables. How to put sulfur tips from matches into air conditioning units and blow up large buildings. How to ignite gas mains and oil storage tanks. It explains how radio-controlled model airplanes can be used to fly explosive charges over heavily guarded fences into gasoline storage areas or munition stockpiles. It even calls for infiltration into the National Guard units, revolutionaries posing as non-militants for the purpose of getting free military training and for gaining access to critical military supplies and heavy weapons. And then, finally, Robert Williams says this. Any all-out minority revolution must create a state of crisis wherein almost all of the male population would be forced to remain in their homes to protect their property and families. The middle class is very large, but it is not accustomed to deprivation and terror. Because of its affluence, it has waxed soft. It has no stomach for massive fire, blood, and violence. The motive force behind its life drive is its endless pursuit of prestige, conspicuous consumption, and sensual pleasure. A few years of violent, sporadic, and highly destructive uprisings will set the stage for the grand finale. After the stage is properly set through protracted struggle, America could be brought to her knees in 90 days of highly organized, fierce fighting, sabotage, and massive firestorm. Ladies and gentlemen, the plans and preparations for a communist revolution of force and violence are far advanced. The organization behind these preparations has almost unlimited financial resources, and it provides both training and leadership based upon years of experience in many other countries. Our enemies are deadly serious about their task, and it's nothing short of national suicide for us to continue to ignore their plans and their progress. The violent revolution becomes of primary value to the communists to the extent to which it can be used to condition the masses psychologically to accept the nonviolent revolution, which is offered supposedly as the only alternative. Hoping to avoid further violence and bloodshed, the public is to be pressured into accepting measures that will move the country gradually and legally toward communism, but without calling it that. The strategy of the proletarian revolution calls for the quiet conversion of our government into a communist regime, but under the banner of socialism. Well, what is socialism? All right, let's define it. According to the dictionary, socialism is a political concept based upon the principle of government ownership and control of property, the means of production, 
and the avenues of commerce. Under socialism, those who run the government and the communists are confident that in America, they eventually will be the ones who do so. Those who run the government will know who is to get something and who has to wait. And that represents control over human beings. What has all this to do with the communist revolution in America? Well, ladies and gentlemen, it has everything to do with it because the building of socialism is the communist revolution in America. It represents the process whereby our country can be moved gradually toward communism without the people even being aware of it. No matter what grievance we may have, real or imagined, no matter what national problems we may face, the communists seize upon these as excuses to build socialism. They have one and only one solution for all problems. More government, more government, and then more and more until it's total government. And forgive me for saying it one more time, total government is communism. All right. So, pretty amazing, isn't it? I mean, to hear those words so precisely put forth is absolutely amazing. Let me make sure we're doing on the right track here. I think so. All right, so do you have some questions or comments about what you heard so far today? Let me go to the chat room real quick and just uh, get a few of these um, comments. I was looking through them. They look pretty darn good. Saying good morning to David Ellefson and Kevin Hauger, first up this morning. Melissa Fletcher, good morning to you. Cindy uh, Messman, good morning to you. Laquita, good morning to you. Sandra Matlow, good morning. Pastor Vincent, Kevin Hauger, the Holy Spirit speaks, moves me. As all, we must learn to listen for the Spirit. When we receive the Holy Spirit, we must practice to hear His voice. Very well said. That's really good. Uh, Kevin says, seeing signs, we also must learn and practice to always be seeing them. That's right. Keep, keep a sensitivity to all of that. Uh, Sandra Matlow says, God had me to pray this morning for my family to get saved again. Good, Sandra. Way to go. We stand in agreement. May all of those listening right now that are in need of salvation for their kids experience that great joy. Sarah Ackerman, Anchorman, all the way from San Diego. Jesus said, as soon as we see the abomination of desolation to flee. Boy, how many of us really know what the abomination of desolation is, right? That man of sin. Uh, Kenneth Bruns, I agree that vaccination is a forerunner to the mark. Amen. Phil Buswell, good morning, Pastor Vincent. Good morning, Phil. Uh, Sarah, again, says that would be awesome to go to do to go through. Yeah, it would. Sarah uh, Anchorman says, so then you believe in a pre-trib? I don't personally. No, 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 no. The Bible says that the great tribulation is only three and a half years, 1290 days, 42 months. There is a huge difference between the wrath of Satan and the wrath of God. You bet there is. We are either gathered to him in between the seven seal before the trumpets, or we go through it just like Satan has a mark. God also has a mark that seals his people, that leaves them untouched. The overcomers, absolutely, the 144,000. David Ellison, I believe the vaccine is the mark. Vaccine changes your DNA. That means you will not have access to heaven because you're not of God's DNA. Possibly, Dave, I disagree, but it's possible. Now, <clears throat> the only problem is we're not in the Great Tribulation yet. That's kind of a hard thing to really understand 
that is. G. Lawrence, the mark would have to do would have to be something that makes you knowingly reject Christ to accept it. David says, I think the Holy Spirit will give a Christian direction as what to do with the vaccine. Right. And we don't want to take something that's going to assist in our being dumbed down or destroying our resistance. I agree with that. Uh, Chuck Eacher, it seems like it is. Exactly. David, Chuck, yes. Melissa Fletcher, I know many people that are in denial that we are living in these times, even though they see the acceleration or the escalation of events happening around us, they still think all is well. And it will be that way to the end. Uh, even the days of Noah, till the day that Noah entered into the ark, right? Uh, we might have to really soon, uh, and I'm sure that is Chuck saying we might have to go if we hear the voice. David Ellison, I've listened to doctors say that if a person takes the vaccine, you will die, but death won't be labeled as COVID. <clears throat> That's an interesting twist, isn't it, Dave? All right. Uh, might Let's see. Might have to join the Baptist. <laughs> Chuck's going to join the Baptist. I don't know why. But Chuck's going to join the Baptist. Maybe. David says, Dr. Leonard Horowitz, Dr. Richard Proctor, to name a couple. Sarah says, Revelation 13.10, he who leads in the captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. And here is the patience and faith of the saints. Amen. Carol Carey, come out of the world system. Be pure and free of God's judgment. What does it look like? What does it mean? Dennis Sossaman says, the righteous barely escape. But God will have his remnant. So I believe his people will be shown by the Holy Spirit when it's time to shut the door. Well said. I kind of lean in that direction myself. Brother Mark from Mexico, I have arrived and I am not taking a vaccine for a fake virus. I don't blame you, Mark. Carol Carey, I believe the beast is the United Nations. Probably. Definitely interconnected. Uh, Mark also says 800,000 kids go missing per year just in the USA. That's amazing. How do 800,000 of the most precious, valuable aspects of life go missing every year? They're not missing. They're being apprehended, and they're taken into the satanic cults where the bloodletting begins. Wow. So sorry to hear that. Samuel Grimes, good morning. Thank you for the wisdom. I am praying. I have a lot of questions that need to be answered. Well, let's get to those questions, and I'm sure God's going to do it. Jamie Lynn, I don't think the devil would sneak his mark into a vaccine. He wants to be worshipped as God, but I think it's the start of uh, assimilating people into injecting things in their body in the name of safety. Yeah, trust your government. All right. Uh, Mark says, from Mexico, in my original 1611 King James, wisdom is spelled wise dome. Amen to that. Uh, John Erickson, it's not a vaccine. By definition, a vaccine elicits an immune response. This substance does not do that. It's evil and insidious. If this is forced, we are leaving our high desert property. Amen to that. Let's see where it goes. And we need to be paying attention. Remember, the next 60 days could be the most important days for some of you that are watching this broadcast or all right now. The next 60 days, mark it on your calendar and watch. 
All right. It's coming fast. That's correct. Dennis Osman, amen. Sarah agreed with you, Denny, about the righteous barely being saved. Hallelujah. Chuck Eastridge, LOL. Yeah, there is no pre-trip, no pre-tribulation out of this thing. Carol Carey says we must prepare by storing up provisions and do what we can to live off the grid for our survival. God will do the rest. I agree. God told Noah's build an ark. He built the ark. He had a place to go. He had food, water, shelter, clothing, et cetera, et cetera. It's a wise thing to do. All right. Then we have, uh, <clears throat> wow, that's an amazing video. Can you please send that to me? <laughs> it is amazing, isn't it? It's telling us exactly what's happening in our country right now. Janet, Ruth Ryder, sweet. And yes, I, I will get that to you, Sarah. Uh, the 144,000 sealed are the remnant Jew from the 12 tribes. Maybe. I have another comment to that I'd like to share, that maybe it's not just the natural Jew, but the true Jew, the overcomers. We'll talk about that again. Uh, Jesus tells us when the great tribulation starts, and that's when man of sin is revealed, an abomination of desolation is when Antichrist sets himself up in the temple of God and puts himself above God. Hold on. I'll be right back. I have a minor emergency. Ah, yes, the organic reality of doing what we do. Max was locked out upstairs. I heard him barking outside. All right, so here we go. Uh, uh, Chuck liked the idea of joining the Baptists. You know, the Mormons are pretty well prepared, too, by the way. If we're going to go Baptist, maybe Mormon, I don't know, but they are very well prepared. Uh, Mark says, milk cartons. Remember the missing kids on every carton? Yep, I certainly do. And again, a woman doesn't let have her diamonds earrings go missing. Sometimes a thief steals them. Revelation 14 talks about the 144,000. Yes, and it gives the complementary conduct and characteristic that there's no guile in their mouths. They follow the Lord wherever he goes. They're virgins in their hearts. I mean, beautiful description of who the real 144,000 are. And then you have, uh, you get the vaccine. You won't be a human anymore. Now that comes from Mark. And that is what people are really talking about. Um, so the mark of the beast, the vaccinations, I've been studying up, looking at it as much as I can like you. The bottom line, though, again, is when, at what point, here's the question. I'm not seeing it on here. I'm not seeing it. I heard one, and that was from Denny Sossaman, who said the Holy Spirit will quicken us to know. Okay, when to enter into the ark and shut the door. Uh, the 12,000 from the 12 tribes, okay, uh, yeah, we're going to get into that. So the question is, what point will the elect of God know that it is time to come out of her, my people? You see, because it's possible, and, th and this is the tough one, it's possible, desirous, wonderful, that maybe these things won't come for a very long time. Maybe we are witnessing the resurgence and revival and the heavens opening and the glory of God coming upon the earth. Socialism, communism being eradicated and the glory of the kingdom of heaven rising. You think? Is that what you see coming? Is that what you're witnessing? Now, do I believe 
that God's going to take care of his kids? I certainly do. Man, I am all in. And that's why Jesus said when he comes that we should be found of him in peace. And remember what that means, the tranquil state of the soul that is assured in its salvation through Christ Jesus, therefore fearing nothing from God and being content with whatever lot in life God has given you. Fearing nothing from God. See, none of this that we're talking about is from God against us who are truly righteous. And God's going to protect some and seal some. Many are going in, but they're going to get cleaned up through it. So sometimes we just get a little inconvenienced. And, and the question is, at what point will the elect of God know that it's time to come out of her, my people? End time events are accelerating. Each individual must know and recognize the signs of the times and respond accordingly. How are you responding to the days we're living in? We're told today that there are going to be bombs going off under the White House, that all the tunnels that are used for the satanic Illuminati of the bloodletting and drinking the blood of the little children. They're going to, the, the military is watching over D.C. right now, and they're going in, and they're going to detonate bombs under D.C. and all the tunnels. Is that real information? Is that true? There comes a time where you just you have to ask yourself a question or two. Maybe you've already done it. I know that trusting God is the most important thing anybody in this life could ever do. I trust you, Lord. But I also know that God's given me a navigation in the person of the Holy Spirit to navigate and direct my life, to be led by the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit, to live in the Spirit. And I know that fear is not even a part of that equation. Fear is not a part of that reality. (laughs) So... <clears throat> yeah, that's Maxi Barkin. Let's get some other comments here. River Christian Center, God is speaking. The shaking, sifting, and sifting has begun. Be prepared to flee. Okay, uh, also, that's from Pastor Jeff, by the way. And uh, God bless you, Pastor Jeff. Glad to see you with us. And yes, the heavens and the earth are going to shake once more. Patricia, if you're listening to me, can you get little Maxi? And then I'm going to, okay, Chuck Eastridge, let's see. G. Edward Griffin is alive in 89. Oh, so Chuck is saying that the idea of they're going to be detonating bombs under the D.C. today to get rid of the tunnels for the pet, you know, all the is fake. I kind of lean in that direction, too. I believe when God takes out Washington, D.C., there won't be left one stone upon another. I just saw Patricia Joy walk right past there. (laughs) This place is crazy today. Wonderfully crazy. Dogs barking, wives running around, and it's amazing. Okay. So anyways, got a call coming in. Let's take the call. Area code 479-321. You're on the air. God bless you. Welcome to the broadcast. Hello. 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 I hear you. Can you hear me? I could barely hear you. You do? Uh, Cannot hear you. I cannot hear you. Uh, Sorry. Uh, Revelation 6-8. Still cannot hear you. 
Revelation 6-8 talks about the wild animals. All right, so we're having a hard time hearing uh, Brother Phil. Uh, Phil, you sounded like you're uh, 100 miles away. All right, so call back in. We'll, we'll take that call. Uh, uh, Mark is saying D.C. is a necropolis, a city of the dead. Yeah, it really is in many ways. Uh, the answer is not the Dems or the Republicans. The answer is that we have removed Christ. Make Christ first now. That is from a pastor's heart. Pastor Jeff, uh, coming from the Washington, D.C. area, by the way. So uh, let's see what's going on here. We're waiting for your call. The number to call, 818-369-0326. At what point will the elect of God know that it is time to come out of her, my people? That's been the question all morning this morning. When will you know? When will we know? How does the knower work? Let's take this call, 866, area code 479-866. Good morning. God bless you. Welcome to the broadcast. You're on the air. Good morning, Pastor. Well, good morning, Why sir. Are you waking people up. You are waking people up this morning. Praise the Lord for that. Oh, praise the Lord. You know, I'm having a, okay, I think everybody can hear you. I hope so. Can they? Well, anyway. Okay, my keep point, it going. I, I think, I'm good. Okay. Um, one of the interesting things that you're bringing up is that when are we going to get ready? Well, the time is now for the preparedness. So let's start to make lists, things we need to begin to go ahead and do, what kind of supplies we're going to have, what kind of water. All those things that you were bringing up are all important things that we need to start to list now because then we can begin to go ahead and, be, and prepare and have an idea because if it comes on us suddenly, uh, we need them jump and move right away. And many people are going to be left behind just for that very reason. So we really need to seek the Spirit of God, not only for the physical things, the spiritual things that we need to be ready for. Because if your mind is not set properly on the will of God, what we need to go ahead and do, that's another component that we're going to flounder on. And where we can be weakened and people can give in to the power of the enemy. So in answer to that question, the time is now that we need to start. You know, we don't necessarily have to move right now, but let's get an idea of where we're supposed to go and think about those types of things. Your comments. Well, Pastor Ken, yeah, amen. These are great points. And, Phil, I want you to call back in if you can, because obviously the people could hear you. I can't. Um, but, Pastor, can you bring up a point? Let me leave our listeners. Okay, just let me leave you with this today, according to what uh, Pastor Ken just shared. If you go into your Hebrew concordance, and you type in the number 5781. Now, you know in 12 days, 5781 begins according to Exodus chapter 12. The first day of the first month of the new year shall be the first day of Nisan. Okay, we know that in Exodus chapter 12. Not the rabbinical calendar of the civil calendar in September and October and Rosh Hashanah. The first day of the first month of the new year shall be in the month Nisan. That is going to be, this year, that is going to be March 14th. Today is the third, so we're talking 11 days. March 14th will be the first day of the first month of the new year, which will make the calendar 5781. The rabbinical calendar in Rosh Hashanah will tell you that 5781 began last September and October. I have problems with rabbinical thought sometimes, not always, 
the rabbis did kill Jesus Christ. They've been wrong before. But I know God's word is pure. So 5781, which is the year in the Hebrew calendar, and Brother Mark, you should know about that gap. You talk, you're the first one I ever heard talk about the gap of 200 years or 240 or 220 years. I forget what it was. But I know that in the Hebrew calendar, in 11 days, 5781 begins. Now, the number 5781 in the Hebrew concordance is ut, okay? Ut, it's uh, the maluka, uh, the, I got to get the other Hebrew, but the word actually means to pack. It means uh, tribulation, pressure, distress, anguish. It's very interesting to me that the Hebrew number 5781 correlating with the year 5781 in the Hebrew calendar is 11 days away. And then 14 days after that, which would be March 28th, is Passover, the time when God sent his people out of Egypt into the wilderness. That's what we're kind of talking about today. And I'm not telling anybody anything. I'm just saying there's something of a connection that's very interesting, if nothing else that the rehearsal of Passover all these years, will there come a time, biblically, there will come a time when God brings his people into the wilderness. It's just interesting that the year 5781 is going to happen in a few days, and then Passover on March 28th, that's kind of the time when God's people first left Egypt, and God took them into the wilderness and was God to them. He was a fire by day, and he was a Cloud, uh, cloud by day, a fire by night. He gave them food and water, took care of them. They, their clothing and shoes never wore out. Possible? That God would say, come out of her, my people, very soon? Are there going to be some things happening on the Egyptian empire? I really believe the next 60 days are going to be very incredible days and things that we should be watching. Whew. And the number 5782, yeah, so Mark is telling me um, <clears throat> to rouse oneself to awake at 5781. And in the other, it's the ut, which literally means distress and pack your bags. Pack your bags? In the Hebrew definition of 5781, distress, anguish, tribulation. The word tribulation in the Greek is philipsis, and it means pressure. And this Hebrew word 5781 connected to it is to be pressed. What? Is there a connection with the Great Tribulation and the number 5781 that's 11 days ahead of us? Is it possible? Wow. 5782 is to awake. Yeah. There's a 240-year gap, which brings us right to the 6,000-year mark. I mean, God's pattern of six days of creation, one day is, is a thousand years, a thousand years is one day. And when God said to Noah, I'm giving man 120 years, that most people in the book of Jubilees said it was 120 Jubilees, 120 times a 50-year Jubilee is 6,000, and we're coming to the end of that right now? Mamma mia, come on. I mean, I'm just putting some things out there for investigation. I know people don't like dates and times and numbers, and I get it. I just think it's very interesting. Mark says the etymology of tribulation is tribulum in Latin. It means to separate the wheat from the chaff, and it's going to happen. Time to gas up the RV now. At least that's the way I've been feeling lately, says John Erickson. All right, who's playing the part of Noah, says Kevin Hauger. Amen. 
I don't know. Would God tell us? Would God actually tell us? Would he say, come out of her, my people, and connect things in his word? In the year that we're in, we're about to touch. Could it be? Of course it could be. Of course Maybe not, but would it be worth watching and making sure you had a few more cans of beans and a few more things of water and the medications you need to rely upon if you do? Better to be healed in Jesus' name. Do you have community? Do you know where you're going? If God told you you had to leave your neighborhood, do you know where you're going? Have you got a plan? Have you been doing something the last few years? The transition's going to be intense. When the Israelis were told, to the Jew first and the Gentile, when the Israelis were told to get out of Egypt, the Egyptians spoiled them, gave them every resource, you know, they, because they just couldn't handle the judgment that was hitting them. I just wonder what the days ahead are going to bring upon America, upon the nations of the earth, where God's people are scattered all over the world. What's it going to be like? This isn't just an American thing. This is the Middle East. This is everywhere. Could the long-awaited prophecies of nuclear bombs detonating around the world, could a nuclear World War III happen? Where are we? Hmm. It's the threshing floor. Um, John says, I believe God would. The problem lies with whether one is listening to God or not. Isn't that the truth? And that's what the question is. At what point will the elect of God know that the time is to come out of for my people? Pastor Ken, what are your thoughts about this? Did I lose Pastor Ken? I think me did. Okay. So <clears throat> the threshing floor became the Temple Mount, said Mark, in antiquity and history. So... Brothers and sisters, again, note drama, um, something to think about. I've got to run. I will see you tomorrow. This is Pastor Vince. Hold on. I'll call you right back. I'm getting off the radio. Shalom, everybody. See you tomorrow. Think about it. How will we know? Shalom. Shalom.